0: you're listening to the reality steve podcast with your host reality steve he's got all your latest info and behind the scenes juice on rachel season and interviewing all your favorite past bachelor and bachelorette contestants now here's reality steve
1: podcast number 37. I am your host, Steve. We'll get to our guest in just a moment. But just to remind you to rate, subscribe, and review in Apple i Apple Podcasts, excuse me, uh, that would certainly help the podcast as well. Obviously, any of the products that you're interested in when uh, you hear them in this podcast as well, if you want to use those, that would be helpful as well. Uh, we got a lot of uh, guests lined up. I've actually got f- our next four guests lined up. Assuming, obviously, in- until it's literally recorded, I, I don't want to promote them. But uh, I have f- had four people, including uh, today's guest, who have said yes. And obviously, is rec- uh, and this one's recorded. But um, I've had three other guests that said I will do it, and we should be all set uh, for the next month. But as you know me, a little superstitious. I don't want to jinx it, but uh, some guests I think you'll like. Couple from the Bachelor franchise, including today's, and a couple outside uh, the franchise as well. But um, thank you all for tuning in. We've we've approached over four and a half million downloads since we started this, so that's been great, and uh, we will keep it going. Okay, let's get to our guest. Uh, you saw him on Ali Fedotowski's season of The Bachelorette just missing out on the hometown dates, but more importantly, he's my brother from another mother. Since there are plenty of people out there who think we look alike, although I don't see it since I'm devastatingly more handsome than him. But whatever, it is Craig Robinson.
0: Craig, what's up? What's going on, man? But yo, know, by the way, I have never received more of a compliment in my life than I look like you. Really? Like, that yeah. was Yeah. That was that was maybe maybe the the, the top compliment I think I've gotten <laughs> in my life. So you know, thank you for being born and thank you for existing because <laughs> you know with,
1: Hey, you're welcome. Thank without my that,
0: yeah. <laughs> it gave me give us a huge confidence boost. Seriously, I'm still like kind of have a big head about it. Yeah, because, you know. Yeah. Well you should. You know. I'll get over it. I'll yeah. get over it one day.
1: <laughs> so we got we got a lot of stuff to cover. Uh there's been a few we've been in touch on and off throughout the years. Um God, it's it's been so I mean, you you were on the season in two thousand and 10 so let, let's go back to bachelorette season first off and as i ask everybody how did you get cast on this show
0: so um it actually was kind of just started out as a joke i was living with two i was 27 at the time i was living with two buddies of mine from college I had just got out of like a five year relationship and uh the um the ad came on tv one night basically my buddy was like i'm gonna sign you up went online Filled out the form and then they called a couple weeks later and then you know went through all the uh, jumped through all the hoops that they make you jump through um, from that point on. But it, it started off from their from their uh, website. I know it doesn't every does everybody say that a friend of them uh, signed them up? Isn't most that, like, the people, yeah, most on? people
1: do. Yeah, <laughs> there have been, been a couple that have said like I was. Uh, it's usually on the girl side saying I was home alone. I was bored one night. I was watching the show and I was drinking wine. I decided to fill out an application and mm-hmm. never thought they'd call and they called the next day. And then that started the process. But
0: Right, right. But, but they, I, I guess some, some people don't want to admit, I guess, that they, that they did it. That's, I guess that's the going thing because some people like when I've said that they're like, um, yeah, right. A friend of yours, like it was you that signed yourself up. <laughs> I'm like not really, it really was a friend of, I, I don't know, I guess, I don't know, whatever. I would admit it if I did it, but, uh.
1: It's different nowadays because yeah, in 2010, I mean, you know, everybody now that's getting cast is usually through an agency or a previous cast member suggests them and goes straight to a producer, and that producer will contact casting, and then casting will then talk to or email that person. It's like it's it's completely different now than what it was back when you did it. So it's more believable, right. I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean I guess when there's like a million other opportunities now with uh with social media and stuff because you know all we had Twitter was kind of just becoming big back then. Like yeah. you couldn't you couldn't make money off of your Twitter presence alone. You know now it is like Instagram but um Yeah, you
1: can't you know, even so, make money off Twitter now. I mean yeah, strictly Instagram is where you can make money. It's just it's kind of right. weird how big Twitter is but there really isn't a way to monetize Twitter other than Posting an Instagram picture on your Twitter feed, which leads people to your Instagram, which makes people money. Correct.
0: But yeah, it's kind of weird. Correct. Correct.
1: Um, I've always been curious about this in regards to lawyers on this show because you are a lawyer. What kind of lawyer are you? To for everybody to know.
0: I do uh, personal injury work. Okay.
1: You know, I can see how receptionists and personal trainers and salespeople get time off for this show. But Lawyers has always been pretty curious to me. I mean, do they not frown on that for you leaving for a couple months?
0: Yeah, so the, I'm not with the firm now that I was with then, but the firm that I was with then, when it, when the opportunity first came up, first of all, I didn't present it to them until I found out I was in the final 100. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I brought it to them, the initial reaction was, no way. Um, not a chance. And then You know, I really wanted to do it. So I kind of went back and was like, you know, like, I really want to do this. And, and, um, I think at the time they thought that they began to think that they could maybe monetize it a little bit themselves. Like if I had, you know, if I made it far established a name, maybe it would help the firm, Mm -hmm. um, in some ways. And, um, but I'll say when I got back, I mean, we did get, we did get business out of it. Um not a lot, but we did get people calling and wanting me to handle their case just because I was on the show, which is a crazy way to pick your lawyer yeah uh, <laughs> no kidding you know but uh but some people you know i guess I guess went that route, but um you know the first like year to two years was really like tough to be in court because I mean it was pretty much constant like you know jokes or or whatever um or you know jurors maybe recognizing me and um, so it did make it a lot harder. I wouldn't say it was frowned upon because I, I, I guess when it was all said and done, I got a pretty decent edit. I mean, in the sense that, like, I didn't seem. To, although I, you wrote some things about me, though, I'll tell you about looking back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, uh, you were bombed the whole but, show. But, I mean, come like, Well, Steve, I mean, look, look. Picture, you know, first of all, picture. Uh, you know, everything's taken away from you. The only thing you have is alcohol yeah. and I didn't really have that much of a connection with her like ever. It was more of a friendship than anything. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I mean, what else is there to do? You just drink all day pretty yeah. much. So.
1: <laughs> well, the the thing about the lawyers is in, in recent seasons, we've had two, you know, you were a contestant, you lasted right up until the episode before hometowns. But now in recent seasons, we've had two lawyers Make it as the bachelorette lead. We had Andy Dorfman and Rachel. Now, obviously, they right. were at very different parts, very different stages of their legal career. Andy Dorfman, I believe, was an what is an assistant district attorney, and she was maybe six months out of uh, law school law, when she law got. School, yes. And then, mm-hmm. but then we got Rachel Lindsay, who's much more uh, established. So, it, it, do you find that weird that either of them? were able to leave their firms or no?
0: The I'd say the assistant district attorney, uh, I don't know what, what field Rachel was in, but uh, for Andy, I'd say the assistant district attorney was a little bit surprising. I mean, I used to work for the DA's office, and, um, and I, I, mean, I could tell you there's no way, I don't think there's any way, well, first of all, she hasn't gone back to that job, I don't think, right? Correct. Okay, so, I mean, that's the thing. You're, you're, you have to know that you're never going to go back to it. I think at the time maybe they called it a leave of absence, but if you're going to be the bachelorette at, or if you're going to make it far, I mean, I don't think there's any way really the government is going to is going to take you back. Um, but again, I don't, I didn't find, I mean, I don't find it, um, I don't find it odd that they did it. I mean, look, when I when I left, you know, my goal was just to make it past the first night. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that I was going back to being a lawyer, and yeah. let you know, you know, well, there was no doubt in my mind at the time. I guess, you know. The further you make it, you start kind of thinking that uh that maybe something else will come up. I think everyone kind of thinks that in the back of their mind, I'm like oh maybe I could spin this into something else, but for the most part, when I left for the show, there was no doubt in my mind at that point that I was going back to being a lawyer, no matter how far I made it but you know um it it it's definitely you have to be in the right situation for your to be able to get out of work um and just go on that show like that yeah uh, but but again, a lot of a lot of people, like my firm, you know, they didn't really know kind of the reperc—well, I call them repercussions, but the consequences, I'd say, of being on the show, the attention, kind of that you that you get, that I'd say maybe the distraction that it causes. Yeah, um, I don't think my firm at the time thought about that. And neither did I, because I didn't I didn't know a whole lot about the show. I didn't really talk to a lot of people about what happens afterwards. I kind of just found that out, you know, for myself.
1: Yeah, and like we said, this was back in 2010. It just wasn't – I mean, it was popular back then, no doubt. Mm-hmm. It's just social media-wise now it's probably tenfold than what it was in, in, in 2010. want to take a quick break to talk to you about RX Bars. RX Bars is a whole food protein bar made with a few simple ingredients which all serve a purpose. Egg whites for protein, dates to bind, nuts for texture. Nuts for texture. And in the interest of full transparency, all the core ingredients are labeled right on the front of the package. No BS. It even says no BS right there on the front of the package. They're perfect for breakfast on the go, a snack at the office to throw in your bag for a bike ride, a hike, traveling, anything. Better yet, beyond being a go-to snack that often checks off a number of nutritional boxes, RX Bars actually taste delicious. Whether you like sweet or savory, chocolate or fruit flavors, there is an RX Bar for you I have them. The peanut butter chocolate bar is my favorite as a guy who does go to the gym, who works out. I have tried all sorts of protein bars pre workout protein bars, stuff that you're supposed to eat during, post workout protein bars. These are some of the best ones I've had RX bars. So for 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com backslash Steve and enter promo code Steve at checkout. That's rxbar.com backslash Steve promo code Steve for 25% off your first order. Now let's get back to Craig Robinson. Once you got to the show and you show up there on the first night, I don't know what you did out of the limo. Did you do anything lawyery or did you do anything <laughs> to make a lawyer pun or something?
0: No, no, but they kind of wanted me to do something like that. And, uh, I like kept, you know, I mean, they try to push you in different directions. And I mean, we really, honestly, we talked about it probably for like two months with, uh, with my like handler at the time, you know, I mean, we talked about a lot what I was going to do coming out of the limo, and I didn't really decide what to do until the day before. But it was just simple. It Was like I just asked her if she was nervous, and uh, she's like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "I'm nervous too. Why don't we get through this together?" You know, nothing to, yeah, that, not, nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing too risky.
1: No, um, that was boring.
0: Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, just
1: that's just about as standard as you can get.
0: I know, I know, and. and uh but, you know, look, we had a guy who did a backflip, if you remember, off the top of the limo. Yeah. And he ended up breaking his foot. And, uh, I mean, he was a goner at that point.
1: Yeah. And then you had the guy who already had a broken foot. Who That's was right. on the first night.
0: My buddy. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about Rago and, and Casey, for that matter. Let's first start off with Rago. When you saw his act on the first night, what was your impression of this guy?
0: I couldn't, I, mean, I couldn't, I really couldn't stand him right away. You know, um, I mean, I can tell you what I think about him now, but, but really at the, at that, that moment, I just, uh, was like, I mean, this guy's the biggest douchebag I think I've ever seen in my life. And I just, I, I you know, I, I couldn't, um, I couldn't help myself. Cause you remember, I called him out pretty much. Um, I actually called him out. To, I made the biggest bachelor mistake you can make in the, in like, in, it's like bachelor rule. Number one, don't talk about the other guys negatively. Yeah, but uh, I did it the first night because I was kind of pushed in that direction a little bit. Yeah, but um, but I didn't know what I was doing, so I told Allie I was like, yeah, I don't think this guy's here. I don't think he's here for the right reasons. That was the line that it was kind of <laughs> spoon fed to me, and yeah. I used it. Yeah. You know. what, what about what about Casey? <laughs> I was uh well, oh, well Casey um see Casey didn't bother me at all. Casey still consider him a good friend i mean he he um you know the whole thing with with justin is like i just kind of always like knew something was off he wasn't kind of the type of guy that i would be friends with i think you know outside of the show and casey um that whole persona that he like displayed later on first of all didn't come out that early on but then you know when it came out for whatever reason it was the way he did it it didn't bother me um you kind of almost felt that it was genuine. It was like misguided, but it was it was like he really actually believed that he was going to guard and protect her heart. Yeah, and uh, so I don't know. He he had like more of um, he was more genuine in the way that he did it. I thought mm-hmm. uh, it just didn't bother me as much. I still love Casey. I mean,
1: well, with Rago, I, I going back and forth between Rago and and, and Casey. I, I thought that with Rago. There was a bit of, like you said, something seemed to be, you know, kind of off with him. And you really couldn't, I don't know, put your finger on it at, at the time. Um, you said you had thoughts about him now. Has it obviously changed or?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, looking back on everything, and it changed pretty, pretty quickly after the show. I mean, look, he's not someone who I've kept in great contact with. Um, But that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with uh, with how I felt about him then. Um, You know, when we were there, Stevie was like he would he didn't hang out with us at all. I mean, like we would all be hanging by the pool, like in the mansion. He just kind of like kept himself like up in his room. So that you know, we never really bonded or became that close. I mean, I'll tell you, I sat on a flight next to him. It was just him and I in the row from Iceland to uh, Istanbul, and we didn't say one word to each other the whole time. It was like the most awkward awkward plane ride in the world, but I mean, but now now I mean, look I know what he was doing. He was trying to he was trying to do what a lot of the the people that get cast nowadays do, which is trying to you know get some you know notoriety slash potential fame money you know out of uh being the character that he was in the show. And you got to kind of respect that a little bit, I think. You know, I mean, if that's what you want out so, of life, it's almost I mean, like he I, was
1: a pioneer. He was like one of the first he, ones.
0: He, you know, they really should like put like a little plaque up for him somewhere, maybe <laughs> in like the bachelor offices. Is like the pioneer of the of the current uh, contestant.
1: <laughs> um. So we're, we'll get to them, and they're they're two on one in Iceland, and the the girlfriend stuff in a little bit. But I want to talk about Roberto real quick. Did you? Either in the beginning, or maybe halfway through filming, or when you left, whatever the case may be, were you under the impression that Roberto was the front runner?
0: Um, I actually thought Frank was the was the front runner. Okay, um, which I, would to be honest with you, I still think, I still think Frank was probably the front runner. I think if Frank hadn't left the way that he did, yeah, I think I think Frank was going to win the show.
1: God, um, lo- I mean, a lot of people say that. I mean, it's not unheard of considering Allie's husband. Current I husband say, looks exactly was- like Frank.
0: <laughs> he does, right? <laughs> yeah. Right, and, Fra- and Frank's. I mean, look, Robert. They're both great guys. But um, look, I think I knew that that the two of them were probably going to be the final two. But I, I, really thought, and still believe to this day that that was who she was going to choose. Um, I could be wrong, but yeah, you know, and, you know, you, I, I don't really. I mean, the, I've seen their interaction, obviously, you know, having watched the show. But at the time, I didn't really know that. I just kind of judged it based on uh, when she would come into the house or come into our room or whatever. She seemed to kind of, um, you know, be be the most like kind of uh, drawn to Frank than any of us. So.
1: Okay, time once again to talk to you about psychic source. I think we can all agree, love is confusing as hell, right? Wouldn't it be nice to have a personal advisor at your fingertips? The psychics, psychic source. Say that five times fast are extremely confident that they'll get your questions answered. Take it from their spokesperson, Tori Spelling, Donna Martin herself, who openly relied on their guidance for quite some time now. She needed it. It's so nice to know what's coming and be able to talk about things through with someone unbiased, kind of like myself. Not to mention, they're willing to give you a discounted introductory rate of $0.75 a minute plus the first three minutes and a guide to psychic readings free. So try out a private confidential phone call or online chat reading anytime, 24-7. If you're not happy, they'll refund you so you have nothing to lose. Not sure where to start? Customer care agents are available around the clock to match your personality with a gifted psychic advisor. Or you can browse PsychicSource.com to check them out before you create an account. Take a chance that could change your life. Try Psychic Source for 75 cents a minute. Get your first three minutes and a guide to psychic readings free. Just mention promo code Steve when you call 844-897-8206 or sign up on, on online at PsychicSource.com. Now, the remainder of the podcast, ad-free with Craig Robinson. When you guys went to New York, um, mm-hmm. when I talked to Chris Lampton about this, I'm, I'm sure you're going to have the same answer, but Casey gets a tattoo in New York, and you guys didn't find out about it until I believe... The night of the cocktail party before the rose ceremony, because you just assumed, like, oh, he must have just left and, you know, been gone doing ITMs or whatever. Obviously, he was gone a little bit longer to get a tattoo done. But it never, Chris said, look, it never crossed our mind that he was, you know, out on the streets doing stuff. Um, (laughs) So,
0: out on the streets. He was out (laughs) on the streets. That's for sure.
1: Walking the streets of New York and into a tattoo parlor. Um, But, like, when you found out, and you saw what he did.
0: What were your thoughts that was? Well, your well head? For, first of all, first of all, let me ask you something real quick. Do you have to before you do these? Because this is seven years ago. Do you have this memorized, or did you have to go back and do a little research for this for this what, podcast? What, re- memorize that. Memorize that. Casey got a tattoo. No, no, no. But like how I found out about it at the cocktail party. Like, did you,
1: oh, I, I just kind of re- at that I kind of remember because right, right, I knew. A
0: great
1: yeah, I just I kind of knew just because. Because it was a big deal that he got one, and I I remember him not coming back. in. I just kind of remember vaguely the the scene of him uh, with a bandage on his wrist at the cocktail party with a group of you because he all had suits on. Like if it was right. in the room, I right. would have thought, okay, no, it was. Well,
0: I actually I actually did find out. I found out before that, um, but they didn't show that, and I kind of had to act like surprised. Oh. At the time, another like more production kind of that's behind it. But he actually, when he first came back from getting it, which was like a couple days before the, uh, the cocktail party, they, he had left for the whole day and he comes back in and we were like, where have you been? And he had this bandage on his wrist and he's like, uh, I was making eggs this morning. This is the worst, like, slot <laughs> in the world. Like, I mean, it was like yeah, the worst. Yeah, that's
1: what Landon said. He heard it, he burned himself <laughs> cooking.
0: Yeah. It burned himself making eggs. So he comes in. He's like, yeah, I've been at the ER the whole time. And so I'm like, I'm like, what are you talking about? First of all, what are you doing? Like, I mean, you weren't making eggs. There's no way. And actually, that morning, I had woken up, like, early in the morning. And I woke up. And it was so weird. It was like eight o'clock in the morning. We had gone out, we had been drinking the night before, of course. And uh, yeah. so his bed was made and he was like completely dressed and he was just like laying on top of his bed. He didn't have a date that day. I remember I looked over at him, I'm like, what are you doing? And he's just like, What? And I'm like, What are you doing? What are you doing? He weirdo, it's like eight o'clock in the morning. Where, where are you going? He was like wearing like a button-down shirt, and like I was like, you know. So uh when he got back, I was like, dude. You weren't cooking eggs. There's no way. And he's like, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. And then finally, I kept, like, like asking him questions. So he, like, pulls me into a side room, and he's like, all right, dude. He's like, stop asking so many questions. He's like, look. And he pulls the bandage off, and he's like, I got a tattoo. I was like, oh, my God, you're nuts, dude. So I mean, <laughs> when, when he got – I mean, you just had to roll with it. It was so bizarre and so strange and just so out there. But, I mean, look – I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. Although I don't know if Chris told you this too, but a lot of the guys got they branded themselves on my season too. Um, Oh, did you know that? I don't know if you knew that too. Oh yeah, yeah. They. uh, I did not partake in that. Believe it or not, I uh, said no. But they all got brandings on their ass uh, of like a. I forget if it was like a fork or like a like a like a uh, like a grilling fork kind of that they used. What? But they just yeah.
1: Wait. Wait. When was this done? During the season.
0: in LA, yeah. Oh, they didn't show this. Obviously, it wasn't filmed. But I mean, they uh, there was. I mean, I know Chris got one. Uh, Ty Brown did it. You know, a few of them just got got a nice branding.
1: And this was in LA before you even started traveling. You guys didn't even know each other that well at that point,
0: dude. We we like. I mean, they still said, they they said this like right after. Like we bonded. Our group bonded like no other group bonds. Jeez, I don't know. Like we were like complete. I mean between myself, Chris, Frank, Ty Brown, uh, Jesse, Tyler, I mean we all bonded like very, very quickly. We were like boys within like three to three or four days. They had to keep reminding us they're like, guys, there is a girl involved here.
1: Yeah, and you're uh, like, Yeah, whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um So
1: <laughs> Okay, so from New York you guys go on to Iceland and Rego and Casey had their infamous two-on-one on the Glacier. When you knew that that was the two-on-one date, who did you think, before that date happened, who did you think she was keeping?
0: I thought she was definitely keeping... Well, not definitely, but I thought she was keeping Casey. Because? just, just bec- Well, it, that was mainly because of the way that I felt about Rego. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but again, you know, you're so you're so kind of like um, blinded by how you look at the guys that you forget that you're not seeing the way that the dates are going and the way their interactions are going. So, you know, you're completely judging those things based on just what you think about the guy. And I mean, while Casey was like nuts and out of his mind, I mean, I just couldn't see how Rego kept, you know, making it through another round and another round. So I thought there was no doubt in my mind that Casey was going to get kept. Um Shocker to see that that was not the case, but <laughs> so <laughs> and, and shocker, shocker to see he got left on a glacier. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if that's been done ever since then, but I don't no. think so.
1: No, not a glacier. Oh, um, <laughs> they got to
0: back to that, they got to do another glacier. It's been seven years, I think it's time for another glacier uh, helicopter <laughs> abandonment. You know,
1: <laughs> from Iceland, you guys went to Istanbul, right? Yep, okay, so that was that was your flight with Rego that was bizarre, but. In Istanbul is when the whole thing with the rego and the girlfriend and calls Ali and says, I'm Justin's girlfriend, and she comes in the room, and then all hell breaks loose. But before we get to the, the scene, which is, like I said, top. I said this on Chris's podcast, top five moments of all time of him running around Turkey with a with a busted leg and just <laughs> climbing through bushes and trying to get into... <laughs> <laughs> dining halls and the doors are locked and you guys are just <laughs> up there watching it. Before we get to that, did he ever mention anything to you? I know you said he kind of kept to himself, but did he ever mention anything about girlfriends or wanting to leave? Did you hear him talking to a girl uh, I guess in the bathroom he was making call? I I don't
0: yeah, he did on this he didn't he did not mention it to me and he didn't mention it directly to any of the other guys Kirk was the one who roomed with him in Iceland and Kirk uh, had like pulled us when we got to Istanbul Kirk had pulled us all together the rest of us and uh, he was like yo guys he's like so last night or whatever I we're in our room and uh, he's like I heard him talking and it sounded like he was talking to a to a girl. You know, or, or whatever, because he was, like, saying, like, I love you. It was either that or his mom. But he said it sounded more like he was, like, talking to a girl. So um, we kind of suspected it at that point, but we, no one knew really for sure. You know, until she – I mean, that was a complete surprise when she walked into the room. We had no idea. You know what? That was actually on my birthday oh. that day. Yeah, I know. It's really, like uh, – I don't know. I mean, we were look. I didn't have a date that day. We were just going to drink in the hotel room anyway. So I guess it didn't really change the day, but it it was definitely added some fireworks to it. But that um,
1: happened before any dates started in Turkey, right? That was like right when you got there. Like when you guys settled in, she came into the room and said, "Call Justin out," and then that's when.
0: Correct. That was that was the first. um, I think it was Ty that had a one-on-one with her. Okay, Uh, Ty had the first one-on-one that week, so that was like the day of Ty's one-on-one, but before it. Okay.
1: And then she comes in the room, she says that Rego leaves, people are, like, is there something that didn't get shown that needs, a story from that day that needs to be told, or stuff that maybe we didn't see as an audience that made that scene, as funny as it was to us already, even funnier to you guys?
0: Um, I, I can't say that there really was, I mean, I guess they didn't really show, I'd say probably like how, not violent that he was, but he was like pushing people out of the way. I don't think they really showed that on it. Like, I mean, um, was one of the producers that, that was there. Alon was there. I mean, he was just like, I don't know where he thought he was going because he, he didn't have his wallet because they had, they had our wallets. So it wasn't like you could just leave. I mean, you wouldn't have had any money or your pass. They had our passports. They had our wallets. So I don't know where he thought he was going. Like yeah. where? I, like he's like out on the street. I don't even know if he thought he was. Like, I was. I remember saying that like in the room. I'm like, what if he gets in a cab? Even like, how is he getting home? He's gonna have to bum the money to get to get like, home from the airport. Yeah, without that- a passport. So there was no way he was getting anywhere.
1: Yeah, the whole thing but, was uh, kind of surreal. I mean, it just
0: it really was, and it's. Great TV though, yeah. Great TV, and that's what it's all. That's what it's all about. You know, it's all about the great TV. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, it's not about finding. It's not about finding love. You know, I mean, everyone thinks it's about finding love. It's not that. It's not. No, the of course of the not. Show
1: where? Where did you go after Istanbul? Again, I forget.
0: I got let go in Istanbul.
1: Was there anywhere after Istanbul or no?
0: They they, they went to, to Lisbon, Portugal after um but i got let go in istanbul.
1: Oh, why why did i think you got let go in portugal? Okay. Then no, i meant, then no. i then i at the beginning when i intro'd you and i said you got eliminated before right before hometowns, i guess i was off by an episode.
0: Two two spots. Yeah, they yeah. went to Lisbon Lisbon right after that and then uh and then hometowns.
1: In Istanbul is when you had like the oil wrestling date, right? And you won yeah. it and you got your special time with her, but you hadn't you were a group date guy up until that point. You hadn't had a one-on-one. You got your alone time with her and just didn't tickle her fancy. Apparently
0: I didn't tickle anything or fancy or anything (laughs) else. Really? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) No, you didn't. But, (laughs) but you know, still, I mean, if you look back, like I, I think like on my, you know, in my post interview from that, you know, it's, it's just so crazy how like you look back, you look back on it and like, I think I said that I was falling in love with her. Like, we, yeah. <laughs> of course, you, of I mean, course you did. That's what everybody says. I mean, I, I'm not that delusional, like in real life, but yeah. like when you're, when you're there, it just, I, I don't know why, I don't know how I said that. I mean, I don't know, but I still didn't think I was, I, I still in my mind did not think I was getting eliminated after that, believe it or not. Really? I, I don't know how. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how, I have no idea how I did well, how they, think that. Yeah, but,
1: you got brainwashed into thinking that. You know, she was somehow taking you, or whatever. When you got eliminated in Istanbul, who? How many went on to Portugal? Five, five or six? Five, five. So who was number yeah. five on your season? Ty Brown. That's right. Ty was five. Okay, that's. I'm mixing you up with Ty for whatever reason, not in terms of looks or anything, um, but just for, in yeah, terms of placement on the show. For for whatever reason, I thought Ty was sixth and you were fifth. Okay. Nah, nah, he's fifth. Okay, so yeah. the Frank stuff. Did he ever mention – I mean, obviously, you weren't there after Istanbul, so Portugal, whatever. But in the time that you spent there, did Frank ever mention anything about a girl back home? And, God, I'm really struggling with this because I like Allie, but I really want to continue with this girl I started seeing back home.
0: Frank actually mentioned it in New York. He may may have actually mentioned it back in L.A. towards like the – third episode or whatever we did there I, I can't remember exactly the first time yeah but it was at, at the latest it was in new york which was two stops before istanbul and yeah. not but he he actually told the producers about it at that point um and they kept telling him you know you gotta just push on you know see how you feel but he really wanted to leave um and then they kept telling him just like hang in there hang in there you know we'll let we'll let her tell we'll let you tell her and then she, and then um I kept telling him, like, dude, I, don't listen to what they say, just tell her, because you're going to look like... I mean, I kind of figured that that's what they were kind of setting up to maybe maybe make him look like the bad guy at the end of everything, like, why didn't you tell her sooner? And he was trying to do that, but that was part of the production, is that they kind of had him, um, you know, they had him under their control, and they, they made him wait it out until the final three. But he said it multiple times before I left, and... um you know, I, I, yeah, I we all kept telling him, dude, you got just just tell her.
1: And this was a girl that he had just kind of started seeing. She was
0: no, he he had seen he was was seeing her. They had just kind of like broken up, but oh, okay. he he had he had been seeing her for a little bit back home, if I remember correctly. Like he had, I think it was at least a year that they had been dating. Mm. Um, but they had broken up recently, and it wasn't like they broke up so he can go on the show. I think they actually broke up like around that same time, but. <laughs> Um, you know, I guess he kind of did look like the bad guy. I mean, to a degree, I think people still, I mean, look back on Frank as a positively, but at the time, I think he was kind of a a villain because of that. But
1: well, yeah, I mean, he hmm. didn't for a guy who did leave her, and she was pretty heartbroken about it, and whatever. I personally think the guy's a prick because he won't respond to coming on this podcast. (laughs) It's killing me, Frank. My gosh, like, how hard is Frank?
0: Frank, if you're listening, yeah, go on Steve's do it. go on Steve's podcast. Yeah. Come, on, man.
1: Come on. And I don't talk, and I really don't talk about people that I've contacted that I want on the show. But I brought it up to I brought it up during Chris's podcast.
0: And you don't um, pay the, you don't pay them. Yeah, and I don't ne- and I don't pay them. I've never gotten a check from you. Yeah. I never have. I mean, if you want to send anyone, you can.
1: And nor, and nor, the nor do people ask. No, no, no one even thinks. To, like it's just because it's just not something. You're not a list celebrities. If a, if I asked Nicole Kidman to be on my podcast, I'm guessing her agency would be like, um, number one, who are you? And number two, uh, we're doing this like we don't do appearances like this unless. We're getting, Steve, I'm hey, not. I'm not. I'm not an A-lister. No, either. you're not an A-lister. Sorry.
0: I mean, you had Jenny McCarthy on before. I thought that I was in the same. <laughs> I thought I was in the same category. No.
1: Yeah, and not even Jenny. I mean, Jenny is. I mean, I don't know if Jenny is still an A-lister, but she's up there in terms of popularity. She never asked for anything.
0: You know, if so. I if I if I'm a Z-lister, I'd probably say she's an A-lister.
1: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um. So that was the that was the end of your Bachelorette run. So we just did 30 minutes on a guy who lasted five episodes. Did we really? Yeah, I don't know how we managed that, but we did. So I want to get to, um, I mean, not that we have any sort of time crunch here, but uh, I want to get to Bachelor Pad a little bit, even though you weren't on it. Um, Bachelor Pad, obviously, you seems like would be a show that would be right up your alley. And I was always curious um, how you did never end up on that show. Yeah,
0: I mean, I You know, I was, I was, uh, I mean, I think you and I had talked about it a little bit too. I mean, I I had wanted to be on it initially, which was season, would have been season two of Bachelor Pad and was casted to be on it and was pretty much ready to go on. And then, you know, uh, the whole thing uh, with production, kind of something I got involved with that I shouldn't have maybe gotten involved with came up. And so I was not. Allowed to be on it that season. I mean, they did, they kind of decasted me at that point. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, honestly, since then, Steve, I mean, they, they pretty much gauge like my interest every year, even up until last year and last, you know, at last year of, uh, bachelor in Paradise. So, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They still, I mean, even last year they were calling to see if I wanted to do it. Now, can you imagine that? Like, I mean, at this point, 2016, six years later, I mean, I don't, you might be the only person that still remembers who I am at that point. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, not, not a good idea at this point, but I mean, I, like every, every year after that, that bachelor, that, that season two debacle, um, you know you kind of think about it a little bit but it's just not i haven't been in the right place to to do it obviously
1: yeah and i don't yeah, yeah. i don't want to get into what happened with all that but i'm yeah. sure people are interested just google it you'll you'll know <laughs> <laughs> it's still out there i mean it's it's not like you can deny it it's it's all out there of what happened and what went down there's no reason to talk about it it's all out there so if people want to google just Google Craig Robinson, but make sure to put some sort of bachelor reference after that, because if not, thanks, Steve, You're thanks, gonna get the comedian yeah. Craig Robinson.
0: I'm just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but you know, the the thing with that is too, it's bachelor pad. I mean, it's amazing how you know they used to. I don't know if people remember this. There was a quarter million dollar cash prize. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that in and of itself. I mean, now it's the prizes finding love. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty. That's that's a big difference. Two hundred fifty thousand dollars or. You know, finding love in three weeks. Um. And now, saving a lot of money.
1: And now coming up, they've got this Winter Games thing, which we really don't know much about in terms of details, but mm-hmm. Bachelor Winter Games is going to be airing in February of 2018. It looks like it's going to be more of a competition thing. Maybe there will be a money prize. Maybe it's something that if they're still placing calls for you to come on Paradise, why wouldn't they at least hit you up for maybe Winter Games? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think I think I'm retired. I'm pretty sure I am. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I'm pretty sure I am. You know, the conversations are always fun, but I think I'm retired.
1: I want to get to something that is uh very a little more sensitive subject uh in regards to the Bachelor franchise and that is Gia because you were very close to Gia. Um if not one of the closest friends. And I'm not talking about somebody that was you saw her at reunions and stuff like that. Like you and Gia were very tight. You were very yeah. close. Um, you saw her a lot. You you talked to her all the time. And I know that her death affected you as much as it affected anyone. And if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about it for a little bit. Never really brought sure. Gia up on this podcast. Um, first thing I want to ask you is how and when did you first learn that she had taken her life?
0: Um well it was uh well let me just backtrack a little bit yeah. because um 2 weeks before she died she uh it was a Thursday and I I had um I remember I'd been like doing stuff like pretty much like working late every night that week and Thursday I had dedicated to just like a me night at home and I get home this is again 2 weeks before she passed and I get a I get a call from Gia and um I picked up and she was like She's like, guess where I'm at. I'm like, where? She's like, I'm at the Philly airport. And I'm like, okay. She's like, you know, we're I'm in town for a wedding. I didn't think I was going to have time to hang out. But, um, you know, do you want to go grab dinner tonight? And uh, so we ended up going to dinner that night talking about a lot of things. But, I mean, nothing that was like red flag alarming or anything like that, Um, you know, that I thought. I mean, you know, she was like typical stuff that she was – happy about this maybe where she was living you know wanted like kind of to find kind of like a like you know you know something like more of a, a stable career path in life you know things of that nature but um so that that night we made plans because I, we had a charity event for uh, the phillies in a couple of weeks that i was bringing a bunch of bachelor people to and um i had a couple extra seats at the table i ended up providing her so she was actually going to come to that event with Ryan her boyfriend at the time. Yeah. And so she uh she she you know she attempted to take her life on a Monday. She ended up uh, passing away on that Wednesday. She hung on for a couple of days but um that Sunday I'd called her and um just to verify cuz she was going to fly in to Philly that Thursday and I was going to pick her and Ryan up at the airport and uh
1: the day wait, recon- the day after she officially passed which was a Wednesday that Thursday she was supposed to leave to come to the event.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So, so that, that, um, so Sunday we talked, um, and just confirmed her flight arrangements. I mean, we talked about what we were going to do when she got there. And, uh, you know, we were like, she's like, you know, can we go get a Bloody Mary? I was like, definitely. You know I mean? She knew I was always up for a bloody Mary and she's like, you know, she's like, she's like, uh, all right, can't wait to see you. And then, um, Monday, that monday the next day believe it or not the first thing i got was a message on facebook from a fan hmm. and she was like i'm so sorry to hear about gia i was at work and i was just kind of like caught up in the middle of work and i i like i looked at it and i was just like what you know and um i like i call i tried calling ryan he didn't pick up and then i tried calling um, one of Ryan's best friends, and uh, you know, he picked up and told me what had happened. And um, you know, I just was—I was—I mean, I was in shock. This was like three o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday, and I just left work and started trying to make calls and see what was going on. Yeah. Um, but it just like completely, completely shocking. Uh, you know, especially given the circumstances. I mean, she—we were—she was supposed to be. In Philly, three days later. So,
1: and like you said, you had spoken to her enough times, and it was never anything red flaggish. Nothing that she ever said to you, or that you made you think that this was anything that she was going through.
0: No, you know, it's it, it's like um, it's like any 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 person that that you know, in life when when you you know when your things aren't going exactly the way you want them. I mean, she had things going very well for herself seemingly at the time. But, you know, now from everything, you know, I've learned is that it's more of a mental health, I think it's more of a mental health, um, you know, issue than it is anything anything else. It's not like, you know, there are certain triggers in life, I think. But um, for her, I mean, look, it was like any typical thing that a girl goes through. You know, she's been dating someone, wants to get engaged, wants to find a better career, you know, is trying to develop kind of a plan for her life. But we were just kind of talking through things when we had dinner that night but it was never anything like i'm really upset or you know i'm you know i'm thinking about taking my life or anything like that I mean, she never said anything like that at all to me everything i mean she we was a very, we had a great a great night that night we um you know ended up going for for a couple drinks at this uh this rooftop bar and um a few of my friends met up with her actually one of my friends from home was a sorority sister of Gia's from college so she ended up meeting us out and uh we had a we had a great night. Nothing really seemed like that like off with her. It was pretty typical.
1: So as we know, Ryan Anderson, who at the time of her death was her boyfriend, played for the New Orleans Hornets, now he's with the Houston Rockets. Did you I'm 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 pretty sure this is the case, but I could be wrong. You're friends with Ryan
0: then and now, still, correct? Yeah, I mean I don't know when you're going to air this, but this I'm actually going to his wedding next weekend.
1: Um I didn't even know Ryan Oh jeez, I did not know Ryan was engaged.
0: Okay. Yep. Yeah.
1: Um he's was he helpful to you in like did you talk to him a lot after this all went down and after things maybe from the funeral yes. on was he helpful to you?
0: Well, he actually kind of um understandably went dark for uh I'd say about three months. Yeah. Um, not completely dark, but I didn't talk to him at all. We texted here and there. You know, I would text him all the time just telling him I'm thinking about him. But uh, we, were, we were really close. Like, I met Ryan um, in, like, passed in August of 2013. I initially met Ryan about a year and a half before that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of when they had just started dating. And, uh, him and I in that time period talked all the time after she passed, he, I'd say he went dark for about three months just because he was just, he, he did that to everybody. But, um, you know, then when he felt comfortable, he, you know, reached out. And since then, I mean, I don't know if you've seen it, but we do, we've been doing this walk for the last, uh, you know, three years, this overnight walk together. It's in a different city every year. And, um, you know, every time he plays the Sixers in, in Philly, we uh we always get together. I, I try to make it up to like New York when he plays the next. So we I mean we see each other a fairly good amount and, and talk a lot. And and um I'd say I'd say we kind of have been there for each other through through everything. Yeah. Um he's uh he's an amazing guy, he really is. And he's you know, one of my one of my close close friends at this point. And uh you know, so um, it's been, it's been really difficult for, for everybody. But uh, the, the positive thing, I guess if there is a positive to all that is that we've really been able to raise a lot of money for suicide prevention. Um,
1: yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about that. You kind of mentioned it, the, the walk that you do every year, explain to people exactly what that is and if they can <laughs> donate. I know I've donated in the past to it. Um, what you can do. Anybody that's listening can do uh, in honor of Gia. Well,
0: well, I'll, I'll say this. So the, the, um, uh, the walk is, is, uh, is through an organization, um, called AFSP, the American foundation for suicide prevention. Um, the, since then though, we have actually, and, and through Gia's mom, um, there's been a creation of a Gia Alaman foundation. It's uh Gia org. Yeah. with two L's. Um, so, if you wanted, I mean, if you wanted to donate, actually, what the Gia Allman Foundation was, it was for a condition that Gia had called PMDD, which is um, like a post menstrual disorder, which is related to mental health, and um, the, that organization like kind of morphed into the Gia Allman Foundation through the help of her, mom, through the help of Gia's mom. So, uh, I mean, that's where that's where donations can be made. It's. Uh, it's a condition um, that that a lot of girls have that they don't even know that they have. It's commonly misdiagnosed as bipolar disorder. But um, so yeah, I mean that we're trying to keep keep her memory alive, um, you know, through that through that foundation. Yeah. Uh, but you know, man, it was it was a, a good good. You know, I mean it's it's been rough ever since. But that first that first couple of years was just like trying to figure out what happened. Yeah. And uh, I don't know that we'll ever really have like a a clear answer to that, but um you know, she was she was I'm glad you brought her up because you know, um just you know kind of trying to preserve her memory at every chance we can get. And so thank you for that.
1: No, no problem. I mean yeah. I was lucky enough to meet Gia on a couple of occasions um back in God, this would have been eleven or twelve, whenever it was. Um and just super nice. Uh, one of the more uh, one of the more beautiful girls I've ever witnessed in person. Like she was stunningly attractive. Like yep. not just TV pretty. Um, like in person, just unbelievable. Uh, she was always super nice to me, and obviously when I heard that, it was you know it was it's it was just you just didn't know. You didn't. Sometimes you just don't know what's going on in other people's lives, and you know for her to 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 go the way that she did. Uh, you know, obviously there was stuff there that a lot of people didn't know about, or she was embarrassed to talk about whatever the case may be. But I'm glad we, mm-hmm. I'm glad we got to talk about it. I appreciate you talking about that. Um, I wanted to transition. There's really no easy transition from that, but, sure. um, I want to talk about some legal stuff, uh, going on in bachelor world. First off, the, the Chris souls, um, manslaughter, you know, the yeah. crystals incident. incident. We, we really haven't heard much on this case in a while now, at least. I know, I know. Yeah, at least I haven't been following it. And frankly, I have. I have no idea what's going on. So from your perspective, just being a lawyer and looking at it through the information that we've been given online, how do you see the case when it first came out to how you're seeing it maybe now?
0: well i i I initially thought uh, that you know when I first read everything I think um, you know we had I think we had even talked about it at one point but I, but um, I thought there was some connection to alcohol that they were going to be able to trace back but I also didn't know the timeline of things of like how late they had actually gotten to him and yeah. connected it back connected it back to him but initially, when I had first heard about it, I was thinking to myself i mean there's only one reason. You know that that I can think of why you would flee a scene of a hit and run, um, especially in a rural area like that, where it's uh, you know there's not very many people to trace things like that back to. You know, Um, but I had initially thought that there was that would be the reason why you would flee the scene, and if that was the case, then as long as they had gotten to him quickly enough, then through toxicology, that they would probably be able to trace back um his blood alcohol content to um you know being able to, to to charge him with manslaughter but under the influence of alcohol uh so you know now it seems like um i i haven't really been reading up on it you have to correct me if i'm wrong on this but no other no other additional charges have been brought at this point it's just sorry about that steve hold on oh. one sec um okay go ahead no, no, no. Uh, but as far as I know, it's just a simple leaving the leaving the scene of an accident involving death, which still in, in Iowa, I think the the sentence, the max sentence is like up to five years. But, you know, those max sentences, if it's your first, you know, major offense, I mean, he's not going to not going to do anywhere close to that. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised to see there be a plea bargain to where he just avoids jail time completely and, you know, walks with maybe probation and a fine. But uh I mean I think if obviously the toxicology results have come back at this point so if they were going to charge him with manslaughter you know under the influence of alcohol then they would have charged him with that by, by now certainly unless something comes up between then and now so you know I mean I, I don't want to say it's a, it, to recommend to anyone that it's a smart idea to ever leave the scene of an accident but apparently if there was alcohol involved then he might have saved himself I guess from from being charged with that by by leaving which is kind of a shame but you know if if, assuming that was the case but
1: yeah i I uh, know maybe it's i know maybe it's not this simple and let's just completely take out any possible alcohol possibility since that seems to be a gray area right now but if if i'm driving a car and that car strikes another vehicle and in turn kills someone as part who was part of that vehicle either in it on it whatever the case may be is is that enough grounds for going to jail or is it just not that simple there's too many no, insinuating circumstances
0: look if you were if you were negligent so there's a difference in, under the law between negligence and recklessness negligence is just being careless okay Reckless, recklessness is like borderline intent Like for instance like let's say you were drag racing uh, somebody and you hit a car and killed somebody yeah. the penalty the penalty for that let's say we've had that situation come up here in Philly where where people are drag racing and end up killing somebody not under the influence of alcohol if if that uh were to happen your chances of going to jail are pretty are pretty heavy but if you are just negligent um or just careless let's say you you know you you're, you accidentally uh you know hit the hit the gas instead of the brake and you run a red light and end up killing somebody you're not going to go to jail for that. I mean, the, the worst that they can charge you with, so long as you stay at the scene of the accident and do what you're supposed to do, the worst they can charge you with is careless driving. There's really no no additional charge, at least in Pennsylvania. I don't think that that it changes that much with this circumstance because nobody really goes to jail if they just make a make a mistake and unfortunate mistake that's just careless under the law. Rarely would you go to jail for that. But uh, but you know, once alcohol becomes involved. You know, a lot of states, most states, have really tightened up on uh, on that, and um, you know, there's there's jail time associated with that if you kill somebody as a result of being drunk and and you know, dry, drunk driving or or whatever the case may be. But-
1: yeah, and I think when this first happened, like when we first heard the story about this, I don't know if it was Radar that reported it or whoever it was, and it was just when we heard everything, it really looked bad, and it just looked like oh crap. This isn't going to turn out well for him. And it just seems as time and the first thing that I said when we when I reported on this, not reported on it because I had no first hand knowledge, but when I talked about it, it was look, we've seen so many things that completely look one way when it's first presented and and I just said, look, let's just wait. We don't know all the facts. And it seems like since then things have it was almost like he was guilty before he was proven innocent. Right when this story came out, and now as more stuff comes to light, and we're here two months later, it seems like, and not a whole hall of a lot has happened um, that we know of publicly. It just seems like it's going um, the way of it's it, things are getting better for him, and it's not so cut and dry, black and white, like everyone wanted to make it out to be. When it was just, oh my God, Chris Soules was driving. Looks like he was drunk. Somebody's dead. He's going to jail. Like when the first story first came.
0: Yeah, and look, I mean, it's you know, look, even even though things seem very obvious at times. For instance, like I said before, there's only one reason I can think of why you'd flee the scene of an accident like that. Um, You know, it's not like I mean, look, if you're driving with a suspended license, for instance, or if you don't have insurance. I mean those are generally not things that if someone's dead at the scene of the accident that you're still going to flee the scene of the accident for. There's, there's only some very serious, you know, really one serious thing that I can think of of why you would flee the scene of an accident like that. So I think everyone kind of rushed to that judgment. Well, why would you leave? You know, but, but at the same time, those, the elements of the crime, which one of them for manslaughter under those circumstances is that you have to prove That the person was intoxicated. So if he flees the scene, goes home, um, it's not enough to say that he probably was drunk or that he probably had been drinking. You know, you still have to prove that under the law. And if by the time they got to him, the toxicology came back that was such that the blood alcohol content was either so low or it was zero, um, there's no way that a prosecutor is going to bring that case, not being able to prove that the person was intoxicated at that time. So I think it was just, look, it was just like anything else. I mean, look, um, I don't want to compare these two things, but, you know, do you think O.J. did it? <laughs> I know he did I mean, it. <laughs> I okay, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, so, so it's, you know, it's but you still have to prove it under the law. Apparently, prosecutors in that case didn't prove it. And, you know, I don't think in this case, without the toxicology results, prosecutors weren't going to prove that, that he was intoxicated, even if we can all draw the conclusion that common sense will tell us why he probably left the scene. But
1: And it wasn't until was about it, three yeah. days later, after the story first broke or whatever, we get this release of Chris calling 911 and being very helpful to this person, like very well aware of what he did, trying to help this person that was apparently in a ditch that he had knocked off their tractor does that help his case?
0: Well, it well again. The only thing he's being charged with is leaving the scene of an accident. It does help his case because um, the stat. If I remember the statute correctly, I remember I looked it up when it first happened. Again, it's not a Pennsylvania; it's an Iowa statute, so it's not something I'm really all that familiar with. But in order to prove that the person left the scene of the accident, there's something in the language of the statute that makes what he did a little bit unclear as to whether or not he actually did flee the scene because initially he didn't, he did stay and try to help the guy. And you know what? Look, I think, I don't know Chris personally, but from everything I kind of gather from him, he's not a bad guy. Yeah. You know I mean? This is not like a crime of, of, of intent where he like meant to kill, wanted to kill somebody or meant to kill somebody and went out and did that. Um, and clearly, it seems like from him staying there and trying to help him, I think he was giving the guy CPR. I mean, it's clearly more evidence that he's not a bad guy. But um, but it, it it does help him because now his lawyers can make the argument under the law that he didn't leave right away, that he did try to render aid, and that when he realized that it wasn't possible to bring the guy back, that that's when he left. Now, you're still obligated under the law to stay, to stay, there, to stay there until the cops get there and that you know, everything can be processed. So... It just gives his lawyers one another additional thing to argue that he he did everything he could have, and he's never going to have to explain why he left because he's never going to have to testify. You're not obligated to testify in a criminal trial, so no, we're never probably. We're, I would be surprised if his lawyers haven't told him no interviews and that you're never gonna you're never gonna discuss why it is you left the scene of the accident because there's really no good explanation that you can give for that.
1: Yeah. So, bottom line, it based on what you know. Which is what we know as the public. What do you think he gets
0: at the end of all this? Uh, a year to two years of probation.
1: Okay. Seems to be the consensus that he's yeah. not going. He's not going to serve any jail time, and he will uh, a fi- uh, maybe a fine involved or not even a fine.
0: Um, well, th- it doesn't really matter whether there's a fine involved. To maybe, I mean, there there probably will be a fine, but it's not. Gonna, I don't think it'll be a major one. But the biggest his biggest concern should be the civil suit, uh, from the family. The family. And yeah. yeah. Although, you know, look, I don't know how um wrongful death cases work in um in Iowa because they vary kind of state to state. And um, you know, sometimes with a, a sixty-four, I think the guy was like in his mid sixties, sixty-four or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, the way that those damages are kind of measured a lot of times is the earning potential that they had for the rest of their life. Um you know, in, a six, in mid-60s, you know, you're know, you not going to work that much longer. Some states don't allow you to, uh, the family, to collect for the emotional aspect of a wrongful death case. Some do. I'm not 100% sure about Iowa. But, I mean, either way, look, the guy was still going to be able to work for a number of years, and, and there was a death involved. Anytime there's a death involved, those cases generally resolve for a lot of money. So I think that's probably his biggest concern following the criminal suit. Not the criminal fine, but the civil suit itself.
1: Interesting stuff. Uh, I mean, I, this is stuff that we could probably talk about for a while. I wish we had more information because it seems like it was so hot and heavy for about a week or two weeks there, and now it's just like, gosh, there's nothing. I mean, this is it's been so long since we've heard anything or, you know, what's going on. But let's let's get to the other legal matter in Bachelor World, which is what happened on Bachelor in Paradise. From your outside perspective on Paradise, do you think what they did – and how they handled it was correct.
0: Well, um, I'll say this. I mean, I I think that they obviously had to shut things down right when they did, Um, and that seemed to be Warner Brothers' uh, decision to make. But when you have um, the report of that initially, uh, you have to kind of shut things down. Um, It sounds like they that the... You know the investigation that they did revealed that there really was nothing that happened. Um, why in the world that producer would report that? I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. You're you're, you're essentially killing your career at that point, and and unless you know that it's that it's true, um, you're essentially you know killing your well, career. Just to play but, just but, to
1: play devil's advocate, real quick, and I, I mm-hmm. I'm not trying to defend this producer, or whatever, but could somebody look at that and say? You know, you say career killer, and trust me, that's the first thing I thought was like, why in the hell would she report this? Nobody's going to hire her. Could you look at it one way as, well, gosh, she's really concerned for the well being of the contestants of the show that she's producing?
0: Could you look at it that way? Uh, you could, except I guess when you hear that pretty much everyone witnessed it, some of which were friends with uh, Corinne, is, it? is that her name? Yeah. Okay. But some that are friends with her. And it seems like no one really there, other than that producer, really thought that there was an assault that took place.
1: And then we hear the producer never even saw anything,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> then and that you might, you, know, you might want to just do your homework a little bit, just like ask around, like, "Hey, what did you guys see?" But I mean, you know, nevertheless, I think look, once everything was clear that nothing had happened, um, that warranted keeping the show shut down, I think that I think that the Bachelor. Um, Handled it correctly. The one thing that I'll say, though, is this, and that is, um, and coming from you know, look, coming from from me, I mean, I would say, look, I had a great time when I was on that show. You know, Bachelor in Paradise is completely different from the Bachelorette, but you have literally unlimited amounts of alcohol, you know, at your disposal whenever you whenever you want it, and there's really a whole not a whole lot of control that takes place there. And I would say that I think they probably need to look into curbing the drinking a little bit that takes place in Bachelor in Paradise and and Bachelor. Well, apparently they did.
1: I mean, they changed the rules. Oh, they did. Two drinks an hour is what they've changed. You know, that's what. (laughs) Is there there
0: a cap on how many hours? Yeah. (laughs) You're only allowed
1: two drinks per hour. And then the other (laughs) thing was apparently, and I guess we're going to hear about this when Chris Harrison has his open discussion forum with the crew. Once they all came back and started refilming, they did a whole sit down with everybody and they talked about what happened and whatnot. It was, it got limited to two drinks per hour. And if two people want to go have sex, they have to tell a producer each individually, we are going to spend the night together. That's apparently the new rules. How we know if they'll still ever get enforced? I have no idea. But that's the two but rules Steve, that we put in place but,
0: afterwards. But Steve, what if that is after two drinks an hour for eight hours? Yeah,
1: I mean, no, it's <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like <laughs> great, you're going down to two drinks an hour, but we know that people start drinking at 10 a.m. in the morning there. So,
0: right, you know. right. But but, but uh, I mean, I really, I, honestly, I really think that that I mean, see, here's the problem. Part of the way that that show is is so great is because of the amount that people drink on it because yeah. they get them. Obviously, loosened to say what what that they would never say maybe when they were completely sober. But um, well, that's an interesting rule. There, yeah. So you don't know of any hour cap. It's just two drinks per hour. That's yeah, a- exactly. It, there was no- like actually that's that's actually fairly. I mean, two drinks an hour is not like a light amount. Yeah. Mean, you know. And
1: also, I mean, if you're a guy, it probably is a light amount. But if you're a right. 110 pound female. And what yeah, if those two yeah. drinks are kamikazes? Like, you know, <laughs> you could be on the floor after two hours. It's just, right, it all right. depends.
0: It's its a body weight I, issue
1: and stuff like that.
0: You know what? I can't believe that the guy is – I'd heard this. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. But he's going back, not not to the show, but for like the, uh, the talk show portion of it.
1: Yeah, he's going back for the reunion, and so is Corinne. And then something came out last week where Chris Harrison said in one of his recaps – for Rachel's season with Bachelorette. Chris Harrison said he's doing a sit-down with DeMario and Corinne. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a sit-down with him and those two, or he sits down with DeMario, he sits down with Corinne, and we see two separate interviews. Like They haven't really explained how it's going to work, but apparently both of them are showing up for the reunion show, but I don't know if that means they are going to sit with the rest of the group for the reunion show, or their sit-down with Chris Harrison is going to be their return, quote-unquote, to the reunion show we don't know just yet but it looks like we're getting sit downs with both of them
0: and why why in the world well, would anyone who that happened to want to sit down with the with the people from the show again
1: well the other thing is demario has already done a two and a half hour sit down with e online like he did an hour and a half well, gonna, an hour and a half look, with sh- e
0: online you did you see that interview that demario did i, I didn't no no but I mean, I I would if I I were them, I would choose a different forum than The Bachelor to do my interview on, you know, I mean, unless I had some certain rules and regulations in place for our, you know, agreements of of how things are going to be portrayed. I mean, look, that that would just leave a very bad taste in my mouth if I was involved in that, especially from him. Um, I mean, there's probably nothing worse for a guy than to be falsely accused of sexual assault. Yeah, it's hard
1: to to unring that bell.
0: You know. I know, that might be the worst—the worst thing that can happen to to a guy. I mean, not you know, I mean, not the worst thing. I mean, look, you know, it's just—it's just a. I, if it were me, I don't think I could go back to that. But you know, at the same time, I guess he wants to clear like, his name. Eh, he wants to clear his name, and I guess look. And
1: cr- technically, he's or he's nothing. He says to Chris Harrison, "I'm guessing is going to be anything different than he already said in that hour and a half sit down." With E. I mean, he literally sat down and E put it on their website. Usually you get like a, you know, hey, we sat down with DeMario, and you see bits and pieces of an interview. They put the whole freaking interview up there, and it, he went into detail of every single thing that happened, every sexual act they did together. Like, it was really, really shocking. I, let I don't
0: me know. Legally, do you wrong. think
1: that was a good idea that they let him do that?
0: Uh... Well, it depends. I mean, it depends on who's there to kind of control the way things are going. I mean, if my if his lawyers in the room, you know, is able to kind of control which questions are asked. But let me ask you something. Yeah. Is is he was he in entertainment before being on the show? I mean, do you know?
1: It, it's funny because a video got released last week of and it was just so random. I don't know how this got released last week, but it it goes back to I think 2000. I don't remember the year of the video. But it's Britney Spears coming out of a grocery store and just being swarmed by paparazzi, and she's walking to her car, and paparazzi's throwing questions at her like, hey, where's Kevin, and where are the kids, and all this stuff, or whatever. But then there's a young DeMario Jackson telling Britney, hey, Britney... My name's Demario Jackson. I just want to, you know, you need to get with black guys someday, and I want to date you. Please, seriously, take down my number. And then and he gives her a hug. She she hugs him back, and he's like, "I'm Demario Jackson. I want to be famous just like you. I'm an actor right now, and I'm just like, it's so weird how this video got released last week.
0: Well, I think I think you, you know, just answered. I think you just answered our question.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sure sounds wanna, like he wants to be in entertainment, and he quote, said quote, it,
0: quote unquote, "I want to be famous." Yeah. So. <laughs> What's the best way to become famous? Sit home and and not be on camera, or take every chance you can to to be on camera. I guess uh, I'm not. I mean, look, I don't know. I don't know the guy, but I I could just tell you that that would leave too bad of a taste in my mouth to want to go back and and sit down with Chris Harrison. And I love Chris, but look, you know, you gotta. People forget that at the end of the day, you know. I see a lot of the the cast nowadays, and the people that I were on. I consider a lot of them friends. You know the, the the producers and things, but at the end of the day, you got to remember that while you're involved in that show, the top thing that they care about is making good TV and getting high ratings. And at the end of the day, they will whatever it takes to get higher ratings. They'll throw anyone under the bus that they have to in order to get those ratings because that's their job. Yeah. So that's that's the goal of the whole thing. They're not bad people. It's just, uh, and I love them now that I'm not involved in it anymore, but. You know, going back, if I were to ever go back on anything uh, on any show, I would be really reluctant to do so, knowing what I know now that I could be portrayed in a very bad way.
1: Yeah. This is going to get addressed. I mean, it is, you know, Bachelor in Paradise starts um, on August 14th, we know. And we are going to see, once production was stopped, we're going to see everyone return to the show. They're going to have a giant, you know, powwow with Chris Harrison where they talk about what happened and then we've got the reunion show where they'll talk about what happened and we got to sit down with demario and corinne so they i mean they're doing the necessary steps that i think needed to be addressed they're not going to sweep this under the rug and just be like in that first episode oh and this is the point in filming where we had an incident and we had to stop and then you know go to commercial break and come back and never address it i mean it's they're going to give it the time that it needs and and whatnot but um let's uh It's interesting. I'm I'm really curious to see what people say. I mean, I kind of know what Demario is going to say. The one person that we haven't heard through in all of this, outside of one statement that she made, was Corinne. And you know, Corinne first came out, and it seemed like guns blazing. Like I was not in any condition whatsoever to remember what happened to me. I feel violated. Whatever the case, I I don't want to misquote her, but we remember that quote that came out from her. Well, there's been, and then and then her lawyers come out and say this Marty Singer guy says, hey. We're conducting our own investigation, and then a week later, we've conducted our investigation, and we feel whatever he said satisfactory. We're 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 happy with what we came up with, which was we don't know because they never really addressed it. So I think hearing from Corinne for the first time, especially if she's in the same room with Demario, you know, if they end up talking about it, and she's like, "Wow, I just I had no idea," and they hug it out at the end of that interview, it's just almost like. Well, great. Everything's swept under the rug now. Like, if she doesn't have a problem with Demario, then why should any of us? Then why should we talk anything about sexual assault with her, with her and him,
0: right? Yeah, and Steve. More importantly, did I? Now, I get a lot of my information from from uh, from Barstool. To be honest with you, yeah. they actually write actually write about The Bachelor. But um, she this she had a boyfriend this whole time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and still does. I mean, yeah, she had a boyfriend the whole time. And Steve,
0: Steve, what's What's going on with that guy?
1: Seriously, (laughs) I mean, we talk about we talk about people wanting to be famous. I mean, come on, it's you know, Corinne was Corinne played up the character that she needed to be on next season. Um, She went on Paradise with a boyfriend. The boyfriend has defended her Um, while this was you know after the show and after. He's standing by her, saying, "I stand by Corinne one hundred percent." And it's just the whole thing is kind of bizarre. <laughs>
0: like, Steve, Steve, yeah. if I, I swear to God, if I was as forgiving as a guy like that, I would. <laughs> I, I'm convinced I'd be married by now. Yeah, but,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. It's so that's,
0: that's that's the reason why it's unbelievable to me. I mean, I, how could you read those details and be like, "Yeah, I'm going to still stay with this girl." Yeah,
1: but, I, that's what I mean. God, it's it's so God hard to take her. someone like her seriously,
0: and um. Well, it should be it should be fun TV. You should have a lot to write about, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, no kidding.
1: Um Okay, so let's wrap this up. I do a rapid 10 where I have 10 questions, some are show related, some aren't, where we talk where I just fire off questions at you and you answer these however you please. So, we'll uh <laughs> you you ready for this? I think so. I think so. Okay, question number 1. Obviously, we know you're a Philly guy. Tell me who your favorite Philly team is in history and I'm not just talking about oh I like the Phillies or the Sixers or the Eagles or the Flyers I'm talking about your favorite team like the 82 Flyers or something like that I want to know
0: your team Steve, I'm not that old. 82 flyers I was before I, I was born. Okay. <laughs> I'm just making you up. <laughs> um. Nah, by by far, by far, and, and look, it would be easier. For, the only championship I've chip and the only championship I've seen in my lifetime is the 2008 Phillies. But by far, my favorite team is the 2001 76ers, who made it to the finals against the Lakers, yeah. and unfortunately lost four to one. But I'm I'm a huge Iverson guy, so that is that is my uh, my favorite team of all time.
1: That was the Laker run. That was uh, Philly- Iverson, st-
0: Iverson stepping, Iverson over, stepping Tyron over Tyron
1: Lou in Game One, yep. and that was yep. the only. Um, that was the only loss in the Lakers' title run that year. They went sixteen Correct. and one. They lose yeah, Game the One first- at home.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Took the first game, and uh, it was downhill after that. But Iverson is by far my favorite Philly athlete of all time, and that was my favorite team of all time. Well,
1: that's good. Congratulations.
0: Thank um. you. <laughs> it's not much more to to be happy about in Philadelphia sports history, and at least in my generation. But.
1: Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, no, you mean none of these? Uh, you mean none of these Sixer teams
0: recently have been? Well, it's. I'll tell you what. It's. It, it. We got things moving in the right direction right now. Trust. Do you trust the process?
1: Um. <laughs> you know what? I mean, they're so loaded with so many good young players. The problem is, as you've seen, you know. As great as Embiid was last year, Joel Embiid has played, what, 40 games in three years? You know, it seems like every first round pick of theirs first sits out a year before he gets on the court. Uh, ben Simmons last year, Markel Fultz turns his ankle in Summer League. Like, it's just, it's a curse. I would love to see Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. I want to see them all on the court together. Um, now with JJ Redick, I mean, they should be interesting, but can they stay healthy is the question? Well, did
0: you do, you, do you know, I don't know if you saw the pictures, but what, two years ago, I guess when we had a bunch of the, the bachelor people in for, uh, Cole's event and, um, we had, I had Joel, Joel's a, a buddy of mine, Embiid, but I had him out with the whole bachelor crew. We took like a bunch of pictures with him. He actually gave, um, Jillian Anderson his, uh, his Jersey. Really? He's a big fan. He's a big <laughs> fan of Jillian. Big fan still ask about her
1: <laughs> Jillian's got a boyfriend i believe To better uh, up well, be to back off
0: he better watch out he <laughs> yeah. better watch out Joelle's on the prowl right now wow <laughs> wow
1: I didn't, oh breaking news how about that <laughs> um okay question number 2 um, where's the question oh question number 2 <laughs> you'll love this one okay give me an instance and maybe even what you drank that night—the drunkest you ever were on alley season, or most drunk? Oh you
0: man, would be correct. Uh, well, I would, say, <laughs> I would say it was it was in New York. I don't remember exactly which night it was. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, I do actually. It was um, it was the night of my group date, but we had like an after party that night. But we had pretty much been drinking all day. Were you on, we were, were you
1: on the Lion King group
0: date? I was, okay. I was. And, 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 so while Roberto won that date, he was actually on stage. We were in a green room with an open bar for three or four hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: wow.
0: What, what I drank, Steve, I mean, I don't know. It was a whiskey of some sort, probably, but, uh, I just remember that, that towards the end of the night, um, I broke, I had sunglasses with me because we were there all day and that was nighttime. Yeah. But we had to go back to the room and my sunglasses broke. And I think they were pretty expensive sunglasses. And, I remember I kept asking Jesse back if he could fix them. I was like, <laughs> that's, that's all I remember was, Jesse, can you fix my sunglasses? I thought he was a, I'm like, I'm like, you're a welder. He's like, this doesn't require welding. This requires something else. So, and, and then that night, um, I actually fell asleep with my mic pack on, <laughs> <laughs> I still remember and Ty Brown still tells me to this day that he said, cause we slept in these twin beds that were, you know, not my size, my feet would hang over the end of it. In the middle of the night, I fell out of bed, and Ty Brown said he woke up and looked over, heard a thud, and sees me like laying on the floor He said I just looked up at him, smiled, and waved, and got back into bed. <laughs> That's a
1: good drunk story. That was
0: probably it, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, question number three, bringing the room down a little bit, but um, what is one of your favorite GM memories or your ultimate GM memory?
0: Uh, I would say probably the first time that I met her, um, yeah, it would probably be the, I mean, I, I'll, t- I'll tell you like we, I watched her season of the bachelor in preparation kind of for my show. Cause I knew I was going to be on it at that point. And, uh, after I got off, she randomly called me one day and was like, you know, do you want to, um, uh, do an event with me in long Island? She's like, you know, I've been watching your season. So um, she lived in Manhattan at the time, so I ended up driving up from Philly, picking her up to Manhattan, you know, on our way out to the event. She's like, uh, can we stop at my grandma's house real quick? I haven't seen my grandmom in a while. She lives in Queens. So I was like, all right. So we stopped. I mean, I'm just this random guy who just picked her up for the, you know, Wow. um, and, uh, so we stopped at her grandmom's house, met her grandmom and, uh, it was just kind of the most random thing that we went to this nightclub called glow in long Island and, uh, it was actually me, her, and Gwen. You remember Gwen? Yeah, yeah. And Gwen, and uh, we just had a blast that night. It was—I mean, the first time I had met her, and was like this girl's awesome. And uh, you know, became she was uh, she was dating that guy Chris at the time, and we uh, we just became kind of like best friends at that point. That's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for thanks for bringing the room down. Yeah, I'm no serious. kidding. <laughs>
1: Jesus. Uh, question number four most hated Philly
0: athlete to you in my of, in my lifetime yeah say. uh who do you hate the most hate the most See, it's hard for me to really hate uh, many Philly athletes but I'd say dislike because I can't say the word hate to be honest with you I don't think I hate any Philly athletes maybe dislike and this may surprise you but Eric Lindros because and because
1: he because of the expectations and he didn't
0: deliver that that and also I, I just remember he had his father involved in everything his father would comment a lot through it was kind of like LeVar Ball now oh, yeah. um but but more like annoying i mean i actually like LeVar Ball to be honest with you but his but <laughs> L- L- Lidros's father would just like get involved in his contract negotiations and uh I just never i never i if I was at, you know if you're the star hockey player or star whatever you know any athlete you know your father shouldn't be in your contract negotiations. so i just i it just always kind of annoyed me about him, okay, but I don't really hate any philly athletes once you're here, I love you.
1: okay, question number five, favorite location you went to on your season um,
0: well. I guess I mean I said, you've been to New York, so I guess it would be
1: between Iceland and
0: Istanbul. right. And, and I'd, I'd say it's pretty close. Uh, you know, I didn't really get to, we didn't really get to explore them as much. I'd say Iceland is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to, and um, but I could tell that Istanbul was like a really fun city, like it had a lot going on in it. I mean, I didn't. Again, I would like to go back to both, but I guess I'd say probably Istanbul, but it's pretty close between the two.
1: Okay, these next three are Philly related. Question number six. Best place to get a cheesesteak.
0: Uh it's by far Steve's. Steve's? That's just the name yep. of the place? Steve's <laughs> cheesesteak? It's called Steve's Steve's Prince of Steaks. Steve's um, Prince of
1: Steaks. Okay. What do you like on your cheesesteak?
0: Uh it's, it's American with. Easy. With means with onions.
1: So it's just steak, cheese, and onions.
0: Correct. People that people think that a whiz with Cheese whiz with onions is the way to order a cheesesteak, but that's not accurate. The real Philadelphians know it's American cheese all the way.
1: Okay, I been to Philly once. It was nineteen. It was two thousand and oh shit. What was it? Two thousand and one. I was there for the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. No, sorry, Sweet Sixteen NCAA tournament, and it was at. God do I think was the spectrum still
0: Was it, it probably, still called the
1: Spectrum in twenty in two thousand
0: one? It was not in two thousand one because that's when the uh Sixers made their title run and they were playing in the Wells Fargo, which is now the Wells Fargo Center. It's been in a few different names. So okay. you would have been in the Wells Wells Fargo Center. The yeah. Spectrum was still there. in existence. Yeah. But uh but it was the Wells Fargo Center by then. Or it, it might have been called I forget what it, might, it, was, it was called. It was different might yeah. have been a different name, but yeah. Different banks. It was a different bank every year pretty much for a while, but
1: Okay, yeah. I've never I never had a cheesesteak. I don't think I had one that weekend. I don't know why I didn't, but yeah. Never had one. Uh question number 7. What's the best old school vintage Philly related team jersey you own or player jersey? Do you have any? <sighs>
0: Yeah, I do. Uh vintage oh, well, I don't have when I say vintage I just mean old like the players yeah. not on the team anymore. Yeah. Uh what's well, Cliff Lee, who is a good buddy of mine. Oh. But yeah, yeah. Back for uh he's coming into town this week. We're catching up on Tuesday, but he's uh he's probably maybe one of my favorite players in, in Philadelphia history, you know partially because he's a good friend of mine and partially because he was just probably maybe the, one of the most competitive players I think that ever played here.
1: You don't have a but I, you don't have a Brad Lidge jersey.
0: I'm not a big I'm not a big jersey guy to be <laughs> honest with you and I do not have a Brad Lidge although look Brad Lidge is my memory is the final pitch in the 2008 World Series yeah. so I would uh I I would I mean I'm not a big jersey guy. I I don't I don't wear jerseys and uh I don't really have that many, to be honest with you.
1: I bet you you're going to get, at some point in your life, you're going to get a Ryan R- Archie Giacomo jersey for your Villanova.
0: <laughs> well, I have – I actually have a surprise – well, I have a Villanova jersey uh, signed by the 2009 Final Four team uh, hanging in my bedroom, so oh. – uh, <laughs> That's one of the, one of the things in my walls. So I guess that's kind of vintage, necessarily. But that's uh, I'm a big Villanova guy, as you know.
1: Yeah. Question number eight. Yeah. Have you ever run the Rocky Steps?
0: Of course. Oh. Okay. Um, I, you know, can I be honest with you though? I don't think I did it until. Well, first of all, I trained there for the Bachelorette. for the bachelorette. <laughs> you you uh, would well, just run I, the steps for cardio? Yeah. I mean, I I live like six or seven blocks from the steps, so. Oh. Um, and I was living there at the time that I was on the show. So I, uh, there's this like beautiful drive right behind the steps called Kelly drive that you can um, run right along the Schuylkill river, which is not a beautiful river, but it's a beautiful run. But uh, I mean, I had about a month and a half or two months to get in shape and I was <laughs> not in shape when I found out I was on the show. So yeah, I had to lose a good, I lost like 30 pounds a month and a half and partially that was due to the Rocky steps.
1: Oh, look at you Balboa.
0: It's a great place. It's a great place to. I mean, if you have to lose weight, running up and down those things a bunch of times is is a good way to do it.
1: Yeah, I hear you. Um, Question number nine. This is completely off topic. uh, Since we've been talking a lot of Philly stuff, question number nine is: What is your biggest relationship
0: pet peeve? Uh, (laughs) lack of common sense. (laughs) <laughs> had, oh man i mean you know like uh i remember i i was dating a girl at one point and i found out that and i'm trying to think back to who it was i think the i think it was one of the george bush i think it was the one of the george bush presidencies but
1: um are you gonna say one of the george bush daughters <laughs> like no no, no no no
0: no no but no but she didn't she didn't know who the vice president was like someone asked her like who, who like I forget how it even came up, but I found out that my girlfriend at the time didn't know who the vice president of the United States was. And I remember telling myself, there's no way I can date this girl. Like, yeah. there's just no way. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just I don't know if that's common sense, but you figure like, knowing who the president and vice president are is pretty much like a mandatory requirement for living in this country. Right?
1: How soon <laughs> after you found that out that she didn't know, did you dump her?
0: The next day, really? <laughs> pretty, pretty, I had to think about it. I'm like, am I being like too tough here? But I, I don't know. I just couldn't like. I like. I would almost be embarrassed. I feel like if we were at like a uh, like a like you know an event or something, and if it came up, I, I don't know. It'd be, you have to know who the vice president is. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> it's, just, it's not even an option. Yeah. Like I mean, it's. Come on, I mean, you know, Apparently I'm not asking, you know, I'm not, I'm not asking you to watch like Meet the Press every Sunday, but you know, yeah. just know who the vice president
1: is. Um, last relationship that you had, there was somebody somewhat recent, right? Or no? Am I?
0: There was, yeah, yeah. Do we not want to talk about that? No, no, it's <laughs> fine. I mean, no, it was. Uh, just it, it, when I say it was, I mean, it, it was. Uh, it ended in February, maybe. So, okay, um, what happened? Just. Just not the right one. I mean.
1: No common sense? Um,
0: she had common sense. That wasn't really, <laughs> really the issue. But uh, nah, just uh, it just wasn't really a good fit. I would only dated her for like three or four months. But, oh, okay. You know, I seem to be going in this like three or four month like stint of of uh, when I do have a relationship, that's about all at lasts. So, oh. But uh, sorry, you know, sorry. look, Steve. said, Well, you know about this. I mean, come on. You know, I mean, I'm following in my brother uh, from another mother's footsteps.
1: <laughs> Wait, I, what, following in my relationship footsteps? That's I what you do. So. Yeah. I think so.
0: I mean, isn't it uh-huh. fitting? Um, uh,
1: well, my last one lasted a little bit longer than that, but um, all right, well, Mazel Tov. No. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> um, okay. Question. Question number ten. This is. This is. Uh, I saved this for something called explain your tweet you don't tweet a lot but you did tweet something back in 2015 <laughs> that i found it was a series of tweets so i really want to hear about this story <laughs> do, you, do you know what i'm going
0: to say before i say i have it? no idea 2015 was a long time yeah, ago I know.
1: okay so this was a series of tweets so i'm just going to combine them all you wrote this on december 27th 2015 Girl next to me was going to see her parents for the holiday. Only problem is she apparently needs hard-boiled eggs to live or something. She calls her dad from the runway and starts screaming at him to get jumbo hard-boiled eggs and, oh, Google, yeah. and Google how to hard-boil them. If he doesn't do it right, her life could be in jeopardy apparently. But that's not all. Her bottom teeth are mad sensitive. She needs special <laughs> floss. They only sell this floss at Target, so guess where dad needs to stop? If you guessed Target, you'd be correct. We were stuck on the runway for two hours. I earned a medal of honor for not telling her the truth that her father
0: regrets having her.
1: Okay, explain this. Like This girl was yelling at her dad because she, he didn't have hard-boiled eggs.
0: Yeah, I was actually I was. I remember I was on a flight from every winter I go to see my parents in Florida, and uh, I was at the in Fort Lauderdale waiting on the runway, and this girl was like screaming at her dad. like, <laughs> to, So you, at were, the you, heart.
1: Were, you were already on the plane. This was yeah. on the plane. Oh, oh yeah, sorry.
0: I I had landed. I had landed. Oh okay. But we it was one of those like you know wait on the plane forever because you're you know you've landed and we don't have enough uh, or a terminal or whatever to pull you into. But yeah. Uh, I mean, from what I remember about it, yeah, she was just uh, – you know, it was one of those things when you're bored on an airplane. What else are you going to do when you're sitting there but tweet about uh, an experience you're having? Yeah. It wasn't quite good as Diane in 7A. But, yeah, you it know, completely was... <laughs> made-up bullshit from lot. <laughs> just... But, oh my god, that girl was so annoying that – you know, sometimes you just – there's just something that happens that is so – outrageous that you just have to tweet about it you
1: know oh yeah can you can you picture her in your head right now like you remember what she looked like (sighs) sort of or no i want to say
0: i want to say brunette um you know did she look like was was she
1: like some she just looked like a snob or was she younger like she she was
0: she she wasn't young. No, she was at least in her mid to late 20s okay but she should not have been um, talking to her father that way, so if she's listening. Yeah, because not that many girls would be yelling at their father to get her hard-boiled eggs at twenty-five or however old she was. But, uh, yeah. and, but and floss because
1: uh, her teeth are very sensitive and floss. Oh
0: my god, it was just like uh, one of the most annoying people in the world. You know, you just you always find them on airplanes.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, Diane Seven A. I edited. <laughs> so ridiculous! I can't believe that he. Literally gained 100,000 Twitter followers in a day over a lie. That's just still amazing to me.
0: He he is one of the most brilliant people that I know. Uh, he really is. I always, always said that to him. And, you know, I have a theory about him. I'll just sit, leave you with this maybe. But uh, okay. my theory about him, I think this is my theory probably and about the and most. For,
1: for, for the record, for everyone that's listening, we're talking about Alon Gale, the producer on The Bachelorette that yeah. bachelor that the guy with the looks like he's homeless, got the giant, <laughs> giant beard and the whacked out hair. Yeah. Continue.
0: I, I have to say for a homeless guy, the guy for every year that we did those walks for Gia would be the one to donate a thousand dollars of his own money to it, which was the most, one of the most generous. Things. I mean, he was, he's always been very, very generous in that way, but, and he's a, a super nice guy. But anyway, he's um, I've had this theory about him that when you go into TV production like he did, I think there is a certain side of every one of those people that want to be on the other side of the camera. And I think that going into television production is what gets them closer to that, but what they don't realize a lot of times is that's what's hindering them from actually being on the other side of the camera. Because rarely would you ever make the move from production of a TV show to actually being on the TV show. It just doesn't translate. But I I think a lot of the people that go into television production have a secret desire to be on TV themselves. And that's their way of getting close to it.
1: And you think Alon wants to be on TV someday? I,
0: well, I, oh, I've told him that before. I've said, and I've said to him, I, th- I said, I think you're missing your calling because you should be on the other side of the camera because he's hilarious and he's brilliant hmm. and he would make for great TV. But he also happens to be very, very, very good at producing it. Yeah, I mean he he is he is absolutely brilliant. I mean he knows exactly which buttons to push with every one of the contestants. He studies it though. I mean looking back on it now, I know why he was he would call me and you know before I was even on it, spend two hours on the phone with me, just finding out about me. He was probably taking mental notes on everyone, and he would be able to to know looking back on it which buttons to push to get us to say, for instance, to get me to say that I was falling in love with someone who I'd never even kissed before. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so yeah, yep. He he knew which buttons to push. He's good.
1: Well, we wrap with that. Um, thank you, Craig, for uh, for coming on and putting in an hour and a half. I know you have a you have a, a big uh, court session this I have, week. So. I have trial tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah trial it's, it's week. So uh, enjoy that. But uh, again, <laughs> I'll I <enjoy> uh,
0: <laughs> not as much as this. But no, of
1: course sorry. not. Of course not. <laughs> this comes first. Priorities uh so thanks again for coming on man i i really appreciate it and uh obviously we'll be in
0: touch definitely man you got it thanks be chris be craig, be well buddy chris whatever your chris, fucking name whatever I'm your, I'm your brother you gotta at least remember my name i know Come on. Yeah. all right <laughs> all right buddy be well all right you got it all right, all
1: right. can't believe i butchered my uh brother's name there <laughs> i call him chris at the end of the interview um that was fun uh craig and i have been on and off for the last, I don't know, four or five years. I'll hit him up for stuff. and um, He's always been a cool guy to talk to. Very fun. We hung out one time, I think, back f- God, three or four years ago, I think, in New York when I was visiting. Um, he's just a, a really good guy. Uh, a lot of fun. Good insight into the legal stuff. Uh, I definitely wanted to talk about the Chris Souls case. Bachelor in Paradise, uh, but I really appreciate it, mostly talking about Gia, and I know that Chris, during that whole time when it went down, he was really affected by it, so um, he's a guy that uh, was very close to her, um, one of her closest friends, and uh, to hear about Gia and for him to tell the stories, and um, that's great that he's continued to you know, support her even in her passing and her memory lives on. And if you want to donate by all means, it's uh GLM and uh, I believe is what he said. Let me type that in real quick. Uh, GLM org. Yeah. The Gia and foundation. Um, and you can donate there. I've donated to his walk in the past and I, and I will continue to do it in the future. So, but thanks again to Craig and thanks again to everybody who listened and if you want to support the podcast by all means, rate, subscribe and review in an Apple Podcasts. that would be very much appreciated and uh, we will be back next week uh, with another podcast obviously every Thursday you get your podcast here on the Reality Steve podcast but then again thanks again to Craig Robinson for that, um, you can find him on at Craig R1 on Twitter and by all means, if you want to chime in and give a response to this interview, be sure to include his at Craig R1 uh, Twitter handle in your responses. But, again, thank you for all for tuning in. We we're close to four and a half million downloads since we started this, and going to keep chugging along. So thanks to Craig. I am reality Steve, and we will talk to you next week. See you.